Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Hey, it's GQ here, back with yet another episode of the How We Solve show. Today I have with me Birch Tenier, who is the CEO and co-founder of Pricing, which helps e-commerce companies from all around the world automatically track their competitor prices and dynamically reprice their products on the fly. He has a background in industrial engineering and is currently based in Istanbul, Turkey. Now, before founding Pricing, Birch held marketing and sales roles for a number of companies. Now, he co-founded his first business, a multi-platform enterprise IM map called Biz Corner in 2012. Now, he utilizes his professional experience to continue to grow and scale pricing. Birch, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for the nice introduction. Pleasure to be on stage as a guest in one of my favorite podcasts. Oh, thank you. Wow, <laughs> that's really good to know. I'd love to find out from you before we dive into the problem, what gave you the idea to start pricing? Like, what was the spark? You know, my first startup actually failed. So, you know, people might think, that, you know, when you don't really conclude the story, when you just say that he started up this company, people might think that I have exited or something. But, you know, that very first startup actually failed, like broke and so on. So I needed to really like restart. I had a few options to, you know, get a job or maybe start up another company. Around at that time, like coming to the origin story of pricing, I had many friends in in e-commerce industry. So they were either like working at different companies, like selling stuff online, or they were starting up their own e-commerce businesses. So whenever I had the chance to spend time with those folks, I was always hearing their complaints about, you know, manual labor that they incorporate into this, you know, competitor price tracking thing. So they were literally wasting almost like half of their workday in front of the computer, opening up maybe like Google Chrome tabs for their competitors. They were copying and pasting each and every product price, generating a big, you know, hard to load Excel file. And eventually they were actually like coming up with price points. So I noticed that this is actually literally a pain for those people, but it's also a vital operation. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to run that operation. So I spotted that opportunity and decided to, you know, start pricing with my co-founders. Just like you said, to help merchants to automate all this cumbersome flow. And you're saving merchants a lot of time. You're saving businesses a lot of time with the software that you have. And that time is money. And I think that kind of gives them a much more competitive edge and that they can get the information from your tool and understand how they can price things better. Yeah, true. Like we save a ton of time, but also at the same time, you know, they also get scalability because, you know, when they try to do this manually, I mean, they only try to like focus on their, I don't know, top 100, maybe top 200 products, not the whole long tail assortment and so on. And they only, again, focus on their key competitors. So they can still do a limited, let's say, research with their manual labor. We actually help them to just, as you said, like save that time, but also help them to scale this competitive intelligence that they can generate thanks to automation. Very cool. And I think that's probably the long-term goal with most businesses, right? Automate as much as you can so that you can focus on the bigger picture. Now that we have a great idea of what pricing is about and a brief origin story anyway, what's the problem that we're solving today, Birch? Well, people don't like to admit it, of course, but I strongly believe in the fact that pricing is kind of the vital element in e-commerce. More than 60% of consumers are stating prices as the main purchase criteria when they are actually buying stuff online. The reason why I'm saying is that people don't really like to admit it is that it's not fun to compete on price. People are afraid of losing margins and stuff. 
But still, at the end of the day, pricing is absolutely vital. So that's actually the reason why people are actually in need of optimizing prices. So, you know, if they, if they actually ignore about their pricing capabilities, pricing competitiveness, they will be losing, losing sales. They will be losing, I don't know, profit margins, et cetera. So we kind of help them to, first of all, admit that, admit that they are in a competitive industry that's called e-commerce. So, and after that admission, I would say after they accept that, we don't really always reprice their products to discount like all the time. So we really don't create a race to the bottom. But on the contrary side, we actually have time to price their products more profitably because, you know, interesting thing is that we are like almost, I think, 7% of our automated price changes are, for example, price increases. So people don't really know that, but we don't really discount all the time, but we really help them to increase their prices whenever possible so that they don't really leave any money on the table. So we also help them not to underprice themselves, but also increase their prices. Yeah. Because like, I think the first thing that people think about is that when you talk about competitive pricing, the phrase that you use was the race to the bottom, right? Like how low can you go? But that's definitely not the way for any business to run because ultimately, if it becomes a price war, it's just going to end up really ugly for everyone. Correct. Well, there are two ways to avoid that, honestly. So first of all, all products are not created equally in terms of like price sensitivity, as we call it. So merchants really need to identify the assortment that really causes a problem to them uh, when it comes to price competitiveness. So for example, if they have 5,000, I don't know, 10,000 items, like the really key value items, as we call them, are like 1,000, maybe 500 of their SKUs. So they really need to be as competitive as possible in that assortment so that they will be able to reflect this competitive retailer image so that they can still, you know, make more margin from the remaining assortment. So, you know, they don't necessarily need to undercut their competition for the 100% of their assortment, but they really need to do so for a particular subset of products. But for the rest, they can still, you know, save, save enough margins. And also, interestingly, when people really start using these type of automation tools, they really notice that for some of their products, they are just, you know, following a simple cost-based pricing approach. So they only add a target profit margin on the cost. But when they don't look into the market, they also sometimes miss the fact that they are actually heavily underpricing their competition. So when they actually notice that, they can really increase their prices. They can still be the cheapest, but you know, they don't really leave that money on the table. So that's really the sweet spot we really like to dive in with our customers. Yeah, because that was the next part of my question. And I think it also goes back to the problem that we're solving today. It's that how do you protect your profit margins and adapt to competitor pricing? What's the first step to solving it? I believe really segmenting your assortment in regards to the price sensitivity of the products uh, matters so that you don't really always follow the competition. You don't always try to be the cheapest in the market, but you only try to do so where it really matters, especially on those key value items. So when you do so, like I said, you would still be able to create this, let's say, affordable retailer or whatever you call it in a nicer way. So that image, so that the consumers will still visit your web store. And they will be buying those high margin products alongside those competitive products. So this is actually a really, really nice profit boosting gain. So really focusing on the discounts for a particular assortment and for the rest, still keeping the margins high. And also recently, as we are going through this, you know, I would say shortage economy, if that's the right way to put it, people are going out of stock at an immediate pace and at an extraordinary pace. So I also really try to call like recommend our retailers to really see whether they will go out of stock for some assortment and whether they will be able to replenish it in a short amount of time. If no is the answer, I mean, if they are certain that 
they will be going out of stock for a particular, you know, product, particular product category. I really recommend them not to be competitive for that assortment because, you know, they can get rid of that assortment in a shorter amount of time. So they can keep that in the inventory and they will still, you know, sell the same number of products. But if they don't really undercut their prices in day one, and if they keep the original prices as high as possible, they will be getting those, you know, extra margins for that assortment. So it also really depends on your stock availabilities, your, you know, like supply chain issues and stuff. And by having this blend, I like that you said, you know, you have the high margin products and you have the competitive price products and the way that kind of balances out your pricing strategy as a result. And so, you know, when you're getting information from all these different competitors and understanding where you're at, like, how do you adapt to that very quickly? Because, you know, you're getting a lot of information very quickly and I assume like, you know, obviously your technology pricing helps give all that feedback, but how do I juggle with that? So like you mentioned, you talked about segmentation, you know, how does that work? You know, the short answer would be full automation. I mean, we don't necessarily stop at collecting the competitive intelligence and dumping this into in front of our merchants. But, you know, we do that as part of our business. So we definitely collect competitor price and show them in a web dashboard. But also we have this dynamic pricing engine that utilizes this competitive data and merchants can simply set up rules like, I don't know, if this, then this, then that kind of rules incorporating the competitor prices, their target profit margins. So they simply write down repricing rules and our automation simply follows those rules and actually reprices the merchant's prices accordingly. So they don't really need to actually analyze all the data that we dump in front of them. They can do whatever they like, analyze, I don't know, correlations between their maybe sales volumes and price elasticity and stuff. But essentially uh, what we do is actually like twofold, collecting competitor data, and also actually repricing them depending on the rules of our merchants. So when they do this, they can literally like reprice thousands of products every single day without any manual effort. So like what types of e-commerce platforms do you integrate with at this point? We are directly integrated with Magento and Shopify at this stage, but we also have an API which can be easily connected to any, any actually merchant platform that, that the merchant brings it. But I would say our primary focus as of this year will be Shopify because we see Shopify as big opportunity because I think pricing, like in every ecosystem, maybe pricing is really neglected in this area. So there are no, let's say, dominant players, like dominant vendors in this space, like other categories, like, I don't know, customer support, email marketing, etc. But I really believe that pricing is actually a big marketing weapon, a really underutilized one. So after noticing this gap in the Shopify ecosystem, we really took that direction, like pretty aggressively this year. And we started to build more and more for Shopify merchants. And we are actually like uh, expecting to launch very new, exciting, uh, again, automation ideas for those merchants. So like, again, short answer, Shopify and Magento, but recently more primarily uh, Shopify. That way people can take note of what the competitors are doing. And then, like you said, update the prices accordingly. And I like that you said you can just automate that, right? You know, you want to set a bunch of rules. That way people stay on top of their game all the way. So understanding that with this possibility right now, you have this automation piece and you have that there, you know, well, what are, is there a particular, just to kind of give a little bit more perspective for why this is very important, why pricing is a very important thing to really consider. Is there a specific client, now we don't have to list names, but like, you know, like an example that you could share where, you know, before pricing, they were doing X and then after using pricing, for example, how has that changed your pricing strategy and how has that affected your growth as a business? 
Great question. So obviously we, we, we have, we had the chance to conduct, you know, a few case studies with our clients in the past. And the one that I really like to recall is actually our case study with uh, a retailer called Justu. So I, I, I can't, you know, share the name because that's publicly listed on our website. So no issues with that. So those guys were actually, just like I said in the beginning, doing this manually before they actually met us. So they, they had this like really small subset of their products in an Excel file and, you know, a team or maybe an intern in the team was actually scouting for competitor prices like every week or so. So not necessarily every day and not even, you know, multiple times a day like our software does. So they were actually generating this small competitive intelligence, I would say, on a weekly basis. And they were trying to adjust their prices, you know, once in every two weeks or so. And after they automated those price changes with our tool for the very same assortment, so without even really scaling uh, like to their full assortment. So they did this kind of like direct comparison for their manual efforts and, you know, automated efforts. So we provided them 38x return on investment in terms of profit margins, even when we consider the monthly fee that they pay to us. So they were paying like $200 per month to us and they made almost like 40 times more than that in terms of profit margins on a monthly basis. And after that, like the rest is history. So they scaled their product assortment in our application. So they, they kept getting that return on investment for their full assortment. But yeah, like I would say, we really had the chance to deliver results in terms of increased profit margins. So not just necessarily revenue, et cetera, as most of those, you know, return on investments are calculated. So we really delivered 38x uh, in terms of profit margins. Well, 38x, that's a big number. <laughs> now, just to check in with you with regards to e-commerce, right? So you've seen a lot of different businesses start from somewhere or constantly scaling. And we know that e-commerce is something that's just constantly going to be growing at this point. 2020, 2021 was crazy. 2022, probably going to get better. And of course, with, uh, I guess at some level, COVID kind of, you know, getting a little bit better for some, right? That kind of opens the, the doorways for more sales. I'm not sure. But what do you think is on the horizon for e-commerce this year? What, what are some of your, I guess, maybe predictions or uh, your take on this year for e-commerce? Yeah, well, I really believe that like tools like us, but really just not like pricing automation tools, like commerce enablement tech is, I think, a very underrated way of innovation that will probably like level the playing field for all those small and medium-sized businesses kind of like competing against Walmarts, Amazons of their countries, or particularly like Walmart and Amazon in the US. So for example, in the context of Shopify, so I really like to give this example to audiences like this. So, you know, Shopify domains, I think like around 2 million domains hosted on Shopify generated more traffic than the, like the total of, I think 10 to 12, like Amazon domains worldwide. So what I'm saying is that traffic wise, Shopify already passed Amazon. But when it comes to gross merchandise volume, so when it comes to total sales flowing through that traffic, I think Amazon is kind of like 3x or 4x uh, more than Shopify. So that really brings us to a huge conversion problem, but also opportunity in the case of Shopify. So I believe that tools like us, but again, more broadly, like automation, commerce enablement tech can really level the playing field for those merchants, like less efficient merchants, so that they can convert better so they can merchandise in a smarter way so that maybe those merchants can really close that gap between Shopify and Amazon so that this will encourage more, you know, entrepreneurship at this small and medium-sized level. So I really believe strongly in e-commerce entrepreneurship throughout the coming years. So people are really easily opening up shops. And now, like after, after you know, years of innovation, 
they are now able to also scale their operations. So not just starting up doing Facebook ads, but they can really start their operations in a smarter way, uh, thanks to apps, you know, technologies. That's really the future that I'm seeing in e-commerce, at least for the coming five years. So more technology adoption, so that more closing the gap between Shopify and Magento, small and medium-sized businesses versus giants. Hopefully that's the future that we're heading towards. And that then levels the playing field for people just entering e-commerce, for example, right? And that kind of gives them the ability to propel themselves a lot quicker, accelerate a lot quicker in terms of growth. Yeah, it's just a really exciting time because, you know, when you think back about it, like five, a few years ago, um, you don't have the same, like, same types of technologies that you see today, you know, for e-commerce business owners back then. And then now it's like you have a huge amount of different tools to work with, you know, for example, like your tool pricing as well. You have so many other things that the applying customer support and marketing and also in part due to COVID that acceleration has helped them with the development. And, you know, we do see a lot of interest, obviously, in investments as well in this sector. Now, before we go over to the, uh, you know, uh, specific resources, do you have any other specific tips that you think would be helpful for, let's just say maybe new new e-commerce uh, business owners, right? You know, like things that they should look out for that they should consider that we have not covered yet in our talk today. One of the other aspects that I might have added to your previous question, uh, GQ, was that, you know, ad costs are like significantly increasing. So I think five years ago, e-commerce was easier, really in the most basic sense. So you could have just opened up a shop and you could have just did some ads and you could have generated maybe profitable sales just via, you know, quick and dirty Facebook ads. But that doesn't hold true any longer. So you really need to run a more efficient business. You really need to think, uh, rethink about your internal workings, so your operations, efficiency and stuff. So I think that's also one of the trends that's directly linked with what we just discussed. So I think this demand uh, created this buzz around commerce enablement tech. So those tools actually started to discover various pains across e-commerce operation. So they started to pop up in different domains like support, pricing, like whatever you name. So I think that should also be a fact that e-commerce entrepreneurs, you know, e-commerce companies should be like smartly dealing with. So they shouldn't really any longer spray and pray with their marketing budgets. You know, they shouldn't really waste a ton of cash just for unprofitable, you know, ad spending. But instead, as much as they think about their, you know, customer acquisition strategies, they should also be thinking about their inner workings, like their existing customers, for example, like retention strategies or more efficient shipping optimizing their internal costs, technical costs and stuff. So I think it's really nice that I think e-commerce is kind of bringing retail closer to software business. So e-commerce companies should, you know, more and more operate like software businesses where you really aim for high gross margins and so on. So, you know, higher gross margins means leaner operations and, you know, leaner operations really are possible with automation. So that, that all brings me to, again, the very same subject. Now, are there any specific books, tools, or resources that you'd recommend people to check out outside of this podcast? When I'm asked of books or when I'm asked of like plural, you know, multiple recommendations, I tend to rely on, you know, giving one uh, instead of multiple, because when you give multiple, you know, you cannot really compare these, you know, multiple, you know, recommendations and stuff. And one book that I might really recommend is actually Geoffrey Moore's, like Crossing the Chasm, actually a generic startup, startup actually book. The reason why I was just recommending this is that, you know, it really helped us a lot about our strategic actually execution. So, you know, maybe just to expand a little on that. So we were actually a more generic pricing automation tool a few years back. So we were actually 
able to work with all sides of e-commerce companies from all around the world. We didn't have any platform focus. So we were working with all sorts of, you know, business cases. But after reading that book, I noticed that there should be actually a particular beachhead that you should actually, you know, start conquering the market from. And actually we, like I said, picked, for example, Shopify as that market. So we decided to focus more and more to our actually, like say, uh, like personas. We decided to focus on a subset of needs rather than the needs of a whole market. So that really helps you to actually literally cross the chasm from your earlier days to your scale up days, like, uh, where we, where we thankfully stand, uh, today. So this is the book that I might recommend. And other than that, I really enjoy, enjoy reading The Economist. So this might be kind of an advertorial, but I think it gives you a really nice weekly perspective on all things like politics, economics and stuff, because obviously I'm reading TechCrunch and stuff, but that's already a lot of our context, kind of fed up with startup stories and stuff from time to time. It really gives refreshing, you know, perspective to read other stuff. Like I said, politics in Europe, in the US and stuff. So I really recommend at least on a weekly basis, just, you know, going through some economist articles and, you know. From a more educated perspective, this might be a little cliche, but I also really enjoy Harvard Business Review articles. So they, they, they kind of like really work like a mini MBA to me. So I didn't do any MBA. I didn't really have a particular, I don't know, business administration, education and stuff. So I really learned stuff all, you know, on the ground. But those articles are really working like an MBA to me. So I, I really enjoy reading business cases, et cetera, on Harvard Business Review. So like as a book, Crossing the Chasm, as a weekly newspaper, The Economist, that is a more generic, let's say, resource. Harvard Business Review are my answers. Is there anything that's going on at pricing right now that you'd like to share with everyone? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, as we are focusing more and more into the Shopify ecosystem, we started to discover more specific needs of those merchants. And one key, actually, business case that we really identified was, you know, the use case of Shopify merchants that are active on Google Shopping. So, you know, Google Shopping is the biggest price comparison engine. So people are really publishing their products over there. And, you know, at the end of the day, they are facing harsh price competition because, you know, consumers are actually the benchmarking price of different merchants over there. So we built an automation that helps Shopify merchants to easily compare their prices on Google Shopping and then reprice accordingly. So that if they are ever spending any dime, any cash, on Google Shopping campaigns, we actually kind of guarantee them to have the best price for those campaigns. So that eventually ends up with the best, you know, most optimized return on investment. So that's actually on fire, uh, like recently. So we launched this in early March and it kind of like took off. I'm, I'm super happy about that. I'm also really excited to onboard even excited clients as well. But yeah, that's one of those exciting news that I could share today. And for those that wish to try out pricing, what's the best way to get started? Just go to pricing.com or? Yeah, yeah. well, they can go to pricing.com and sign up for our 14-day free trial, uh, you know, without any credit cards, et cetera. They can even use fake emails if they like. So we like voluntarily pick that direction. So we actually believe in our products so people can test it out. If they are not really trusting in day one, okay, they will trust us in day two, day three, whatever. And also for Shopify merchants specifically, we are obviously on Shopify App Store. If they search for our name on Shopify App Store, probably some competitors will appear as ad results because they do so. But under them, they will, they will still see our logo and they can actually test out our app over there. All right. So that's the Shopify store or going straight to pricing.com. Now, pricing is spelled as, you guys will see this in the show notes, but it's just to put it on the record. It's P-R-I-S-Y-N-C 
pricing.com. And I had gotten a mistake. I thought it was precinct, but now I understand it's called pricing. It makes a lot of sense <laughs> during our conversation. So pricing. Now, the final thing, Birch, is how can people reach you if they have more questions, you know, about pricing, about, you know, your experience, and maybe they want to get some advice. What's the be best way to get in touch with Birch? Sure. So uh, I am pretty active on LinkedIn and on Twitter. So, you know, interestingly, my first social network was LinkedIn. So this might sound weird, but, you know, I don't have Facebook, Instagram, but I just opened up my LinkedIn account for basically commercial purposes. Then I noticed that Twitter might also work out that way, but more in a more social, social context. So like long answer short, I am on Twitter and LinkedIn with my first name and surname, like Birch Tanir. But also people can find me as the e-commerce pricing guy. I really like to call myself that way. So I think if they Google the e-commerce pricing guy, I didn't check that, but I should be appearing as the first result. Well, hey, Birch, this was an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for sharing all your insights and, you know, what merchants should be looking out for when it comes to pricing strategies. And so I would love to dive in deeper, but I guess, you know, <laughs> we only have a certain amount of time on this podcast. But thank you so much for your time, Birch. It was a real pleasure catching up with you. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me. Like I said, you know, this is one of my favorite podcasts. So it was a honor and a pleasure for me to be on stage with you. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you so much, Birch. You take care. Cheers. Bye. All right. And thank you all so much for listening to this episode. We work really hard to produce this show to support you and your businesses. So we have a small favor to ask of you. We would love for you to check out our show on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And, you know, if you have any feedback, feel free to share that with us as well, because we really want to know what you're thinking about for our show, what we can do better. We hope we've earned your five stars. And, but in any case, just share with us your feedback. Now, remember that How We Solve is more than just a show. We offer a full suite of services that can accelerate growth and maximize revenue for your business. So check us out on our website at howwesolve.com to learn more. Is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R-I-V-E.com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step -step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.